You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Welcome back to the Hogbeat Hour, Episode 5 already. I'm your host, Mason Choate. We've got a lot going on at Hogbeat.com this week. It is A&M week. It is a big week. I mean, it, it's a big week. And uh, Andrew Hutchinson is over there doing so much. So much. I mean, Hutch, do you ever sleep? I, th- I feel like I've asked you this question before, but do you ever sleep? I don't usually get a lot of sleep because whenever I'm not writing, I'm usually taking care of the one-year-old. And, and uh, let me tell you, they, they, will, they will take away your sleep. But hey, I, I'm actually, I come, I'm coming off about nine hours of sleep last night. I feel like a new man. I'm ready to go. All right. Well, tell everybody about the deal that we've got going on over at hogbeat.com. Yeah, for any college student out there, uh, whether you're a student at the U of A, uh, one of the other schools in Arkansas, or even somewhere out of state but still love the Hogs, uh, hit us up. Uh, we've got a student discount for you. Send me an email at andrewhutchinson413 at gmail.com uh, from your edu address. Uh, again, whether that's uark.edu, whatever, uh, send me an email. Tell me you're a student and that you would like uh, this deal and we'll hook you up for your first year of Hogbeat for just $11.95. Uh, usually a year-long subscription is about $100. Uh, so getting it for just under $12, that, that's one heck of a deal if I do say so myself. So shoot me an email, andrewhutchinson413 at gmail.com, and I will uh, get you hooked up with that deal. Yeah, you don't want to miss out on that. A lot of content from the Arkansas Sports Writer of the Year, Andrew Hutchinson. A little bit from me, Mason Choate, and then some recruiting tidbits from Alex Trader as well. So go check it out. We got to talk about the Georgia Southern game. Not a whole lot to talk about. I mean, you know, there were some big plays offensively for Arkansas. Of course, Georgia Southern, Tomlin uh, had that 76-yard run, a a little busted play for the Hogs. But outside of that, Not a whole lot to talk about, so let's just start with, you know, Arkansas, once again, they get it done on the ground, but we saw them dominate through the air as well. There were some throws that K.J. Jefferson just missed, but, I mean, the stats don't lie. I mean, 300 and what, 366 yards and three touchdowns, so Hutch, I mean, we know that the accuracy might be an issue, but does the accuracy matter if, if we're winning games? I mean, I think it matters a little bit, but I mean, he is completing about 62% of his passes. uh, So that's not terrible. I mean, it's below their goal of 65, uh, but he does uh, sometimes, as you said, miss a few throws that are there that you think like, oh my gosh, how could he miss that? He's a division one quarterback. But again, Sam Pittman likes to say Dan Marino misses passes, Tom Brady misses passes. So I'm not really too terribly concerned. Uh, You know, he did throw for 366 yards, uh, that's somewhat misleading, I guess you could say, because you know, 91 of that came on a, a touchdown to Traylon Burks. It was a uh, screen pass where Traylon did all the work. Uh, but still, even without that pass, he had a career-high passing in the game. He threw a nice deep ball to Warren Thompson for a 60-yard bomb, uh, and he had, a, I think, another deep ball to the Tyson Morris on the first play of the game. And uh, you know, he, he they, they actually took some shots downfield. I, I like Personally, I like to see that because I think that's one of – uh, KJ strengths and you know we haven't seen Traylon Burks actually catch a true deep ball yet and I think that's going to be something that really helps them here once we uh, enter SEC play yeah he had that 91 yarder but it was basically just a wide receiver screen um, I do want to talk about this ground game for Arkansas because so far we know we know that it's like the four-headed monster and is it is it going to be able to maintain especially against an opponent like A&M, um, who has a really stout defensive line. But I, I just want to ask you, Hutch, who, who has impressed you so far? I think I asked you um, this question last week, but is it still the same answer, or is there someone that you're looking at and you're like, that guy is the most impressive guy to me? Because from my perspective, I've asked people, and they say Dominic Johnson's the most impressive running back on that roster so far, outside of maybe Traylon Smith. But what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a huge fan of Traylon Smith. Uh, I, I think I've, I've made that abundantly clear uh, throughout the offseason and through these first couple of weeks of the season. You know, he's the leading rusher right now. 
but you know he is a little bit banged up. You know he's been in a green jersey this week. Uh, he had to leave the game momentarily against Georgia Southern uh, with some sort of injury, but he was able to return. Uh, but you know among that other group, I mean, it's hard to ignore what Dominique Johnson has done. I mean, he has been. I think he's been the surprise of the season so far, and I think even Sam Pittman has said that he has been a surprise player. Uh, he's averaging like what eight or nine yards a carry. And that's a 235-pound back. He's not the guy I expected to be averaging that kind of yards per carry. I mean, I, I expected that out of a you know, an A.J. Green or maybe even a Rocket Sanders. But for Dominic Johnson to be doing that uh, has, been, has been really, really impressive. And, you know, it, and, it, you, you got to give credit to, to A.J. Green and Rocket Sanders, too, because they're also running the ball really well. And K.J.'s running the ball really well. You got five guys all with 100 yards through three weeks. Arkansas is the only team in the country that could say that. That 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 right there tells you how good and how kind of balanced it's been to this point of the season. Now, well, we're going to move over to defense for a little bit because, I mean, Justin Tomlin, we did talk about, had that 71-yard run or 76-yard run, and there were a lot of busted coverages. There were some Georgia Southern wide receivers getting past the Arkansas secondary. So, Alex, I just want to ask you, like, what, what did you see there, and do you think that might be an issue moving forward that they're going to have to correct? Yeah, you mentioned that long rush from Tomlin. Outside of that, it really felt like Arkansas was in control for the entire game on the defensive side of the ball. You never really had a drive. I think it was like six three and outs in the first 11 drives. It felt more dominant than that watching live. Um, there was never really a question in this one about the Arkansas defense. Uh, I had my doubts coming in about the triple option and how they would defend that, but it was flawless on Barry Odom's part. Um, like I said, aside from that one run, there were receivers getting open, but you've had that in every game so far, and they've still been unable to uh, capitalize on that. So, um, you know, it's definitely something you want to shore up, but as of right now, it hasn't really burnt them too bad. Uh I think the rushing attack is fantastic. I think most of the time – or the rushing defense is fantastic. I think most of the time the corners are playing pretty good football. Um, it's just a matter of making sure you don't let those those kind of busted coverages end up screwing you over in the, in the long run. So uh, we did have a few injuries in that game, which is unfortunate, and some of them were uh, on the offensive line, which is not what you want to see when you're going up against a team like Texas A&M this week. So – um, we'll go ahead and hit some of those injuries here in this segment. Hutch, I mean, you're as close in on it as anybody. What What do you know about what's going on? Who's possibly going to play? Who's possibly not going to play? Um, just tell us and give us a little update on that offensive line. Yeah, so they lost uh, right tackle Dalton Wagner and center Ricky Stromberg uh, during that game. Uh, Wagner went down in the first half. I'm not really sure where the injury happened because I never saw him got, get hurt. Uh, I just happened to look down on the field and I saw uh, Ty Clary in at right tackle. I'm like, whoa, where the heck is Dalton Wagner? And sure enough, he was uh, in the injury tent and I watched him as he left the injury tent. He was walking very gingerly. He uh, it was not moving very fast. And then when he got to the the, the bench, he sat down very slowly, kind of like you see like an old man sit down. Uh, so it, to me, it looked like it was like a back injury of some sort. Uh, he did not move from that bench, uh, at least the rest of that half. I'm not sure what he did after halftime. Uh, but then Ty, uh, Ricky Stromberg, uh, he got rolled up on the second play of the second half. Uh, so it looked like a knee injury. Um, I'm not sure uh, how serious either one of these injuries are. However, I can tell you Sam Pittman does not sound optimistic that either one of them will be able to play. Uh, that's unfortunate. You know, Ricky Stromberg was dominant in the first half, so much so that he was actually a co-offensive lineman of the week in the SEC, despite playing only one half of football. So, uh, plus, I think he's like the highest graded center in the SEC by Pro Football Focus. So, those would be some pretty significant losses because they Dalt Widers played really well as well. So, um, they they did have to shuffle some guys around. We saw Ty Clary uh, play three different positions on the offensive line. Uh, stuff that we haven't seen in Arkansas, Alignment do that in the uh, one game uh, since 2014 when Frank Ragnow and Sebastian Tritola did it against UAB. Uh, so been a long time since we've seen a performance like that. We got to see a little bit of Luke Jones playing some left guard. Uh, we got to see uh, Brady Latham move out to right tackle. Uh, Bo Limmer, 
he actually started the game at right guard and then uh, continued to play right guard after Ty Clary got moved around. So uh, they they had to shuffle some guys around on that offensive line, and it, it sounds like they're going to have a new-look offensive line this week against Texas A&M. Yeah, I think that that's something that's going to be interesting to watch. I'm working on a piece of, like, why Arkansas is going to win and why Texas A&M is going to win, and a lot of it is focused – around the offensive line of Arkansas and the defensive line of Texas A&M for that reason. So uh, we'll get it. We'll get more into that later on here in the, in the hog beat hour, but I want to ask you, Mr. Alex Trader, we've kind of seen Tyson Morris develop as the number two guy for KJ Jefferson in the wide receiver group. I personally was thinking and hoping it would be Davion Warren just based off of what we saw last year uh, before he got hurt, but it's, it's Tyson Morris and he's been impressive so far. So uh, do you think that's going to stick? And uh, are there – I mean, we saw him throw the touchdown to Warren Thompson. Just what have you seen from the wide receiver group aside from Traylon Burks? Yeah, I think the wide receivers have played pretty well. Um, there, there was that one opening uh, play that they ran where we talked about the deep shot. It There was the opportunity there for that to be a touchdown. It was kind of angled weird when, when it was being caught, so it ended up not – going all the way but um you saw some big plays obviously like you mentioned warren thompson with that catch i think davion warren's been you know a sneaky part of this game having him as kind of that that third option right now or maybe even fourth behind a guy like warren thompson keytron jackson you're able to, to kind of use his his experience against other teams uh in, in that underrated role um i think with morris right now i think it probably will stick just because with KJ being a newer quarterback in this system, you're having to find a security blanket uh, until you're able to kind of break out on your own and being able to have Burks is a heck of a blanket, but, but also throwing in an experienced guy like Morris is going to help out. All right, guys. Well, that's, that's probably enough for Georgia Southern up next. We're going to talk about some news of the week, a little shaking up in the AP poll for Arkansas. They moved up a little bit. Um, we already hit some injuries, but then we're going to talk about this 2020 schedule or 2022 schedule release, and then we'll uh, talk A&M later on in the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. Back here on the Hogbeat Hour for segment two of this episode now we hit the injuries in the last segment you know we talked about the Stromberg and the Wagner injury so we'll leave that one uh, away but let's talk about this ranking Arkansas moved up to number 16 in the AP poll I don't think that I would have ever guessed before the season that going into week four against Texas A&M Arkansas would be ranked number 16 Andrew I didn't think they were going to be ranked at all this year. I mean, if we're being quite honest, I mean, I, I predicted this team to go six and six, but I had them going like two and two to start the year with losses to Texas and Texas A&M. Uh, wouldn't have surprised me if they won either one of those games. That, and that might've been enough to, to get them in the polls, but uh, to be, to be ranked at this point, you know, 13 games, I guess, into the Sam Pittman era is nothing short of remarkable because I, I don't want people to forget just how bad, Arkansas was during the two years of Chad Morris I mean they were historically epically atrocious and to be ranked already uh, is just a testament to what Sam Pittman has done in just a, a very short amount of time yeah I, I thought I thought it was possible to beat Texas going into the season, but I, I I would never have guessed that Arkansas would be ranked going into this game. So you're right. It is truly remarkable because you're talking four wins in two years that, and then to go from that to winning three sec games, and now you're three and O to start the season and have a legit shot at beating a top 10 team this week. So um, it is it, it, remarkable is probably the best word to describe it, but Let's talk about this 2022 football schedule because, once again, it is the hardest schedule in the country. I saw it on Twitter this week. Um, I think it was Tara Talman. She said, defending, champ defending national champions of the hardest schedule in the country, something like that. And it's true. I mean, your, your cupcakes are BYU, Cincinnati, and Liberty. Those are not cupcakes at all, Andrew. No, and then you throw in the, the FCS game is against Missouri State, led by who? Bobby Petrino. And Missouri State has, has looked 
pretty pretty good. I mean, they they almost beat Oklahoma State, which is a top twenty five FBS team in week one, and then then they go off and they beat UCA, which is a top twenty five uh, FCS team. So that that's a good program. And uh, Bobby Petrino in year three, uh, we we know what he's done in year threes before here at Arkansas. So, I mean, you, you got to watch out for that game. Who knows if Hugh Freeze is still going to be at Liberty. Uh, who knows if Luke Fickle is still going to be at Cincinnati. Uh, but it looks like those are all really, really good teams right now. BYU and Cincinnati are both ranked. Liberty is just outside of the top 25. Uh, so that, that's not an easy slate for Arkansas, to say the least. Yeah, I mean – like you mentioned, those games could either be very difficult or, you know, if Hugh Freeze and Luke Fickle leave, they could become a whole heck of a lot easier. Um, right now, Cincinnati really one game. And, and if they're able to beat Notre Dame, then they're probably, you know, stuffing their nose right back into that college football playoff conversation. BYU just picked up a huge win over Arizona State. They're ranked, I believe it's one spot ahead of Arkansas right now. And Liberty's also receiving votes. So you're taking on one of the tougher non-conference schedules that doesn't have a power five team in there that I can remember. Yeah. Uh, it, it just, it, life does not get easier for Arkansas football, but the good thing is, is that, you know, the culture has changed and they're not backing down. You guys kind of talked about before we started recording, just like the attitude of the players in the press conferences and they're, they're not talking about another team as if, you know, uh, we're a little worried because they're good. They're talking about them like, yeah, we can, you know, we can take care of these guys and we'll get on to get into that a little bit later. But um, the good thing for Arkansas is, and we wrote this down in our show outline, is that they took care of business against Georgia Southern. That was just a big thing to me because how long has it been since you took care of a business, took care of business against a team that you were supposed to take care of business against Hutch? Yeah, I think you have to go all the way back to 2016. I think it was a, a I think it was like 42 to three over Texas State or something like that. Uh, so they they have not beaten a team like they beat Georgia Southern in a long, long time. It was their largest margin of victory over an FBS team at least uh, since that game in 2016. They did beat like I think Illinois or Eastern Illinois uh, to start the Chad Morris era by a wide margin, uh, but even that one wasn't super smooth it wasn't total domination like what we saw right from the jump uh against uh, uh georgia southern yeah so well, let's round this one out because we kind of talked about the football news of the week that we really wanted to hit let's round this one out with some basketball talk because there are two five-star recruits that might be coming to arkansas the first one that we know is going to commit on september 29th i believe is nick smith out of north little rock this would be the highest-rated basketball recruit in Arkansas history to step foot on campus, if I'm correct, I believe. So that would be just huge for Arkansas to get, and I think there's a lot of optimism that Nick Smith is going to come to Arkansas. Uh, Hutch, I, I know you've got some inside sources. I've heard a lot of people talking. What do you think about Nick Smith? Yeah, I think it's trending really, really well for Arkansas right now. Obviously, from this recording till his commitment date, it's like six days or something like that. Uh, so a lot could change. Uh, but right now, as it stands, I feel really good about Arkansas's chances, and it would be a massive get. Uh, I think uh, you know Arkansas's highest-rated player to ever sign during the Rivals era, at least, was Al Jefferson, who obviously went straight to the NBA, straight out of high school, never made it to campus. Uh, Nick Smith, I believe, is sitting at number 16. So that's right around where, like, Bobby Portis and uh, Olu Fabutimi. Uh, that's a, a blast for the past right there. Uh, I think they're ranked right around that area. Uh, but, yeah, this would be a massive get. I think ESPN has them ranked in the top 10 or something like that. So uh, this would be if, – if they could if they could finish, close the deal on Nick Smith, it would be a massive – massive get for Eric Musselman and company. If they, if they add Nick Smith and then they go and add Jordan Walsh too, though, I, I mean, like final four is, is like the expectation almost. If you don't make it to the national championship, then it's a disappointment, which is just crazy to think about. But the talent that would be on that basketball team, if you get both of those guys, is just unbelievable. So, 
Uh, we'll be looking for that news coming up here. And I, you said six days. It feels a lot. Dang, September's gone by quick. Yeah, next Wednesday. Wow. Okay. Well, that's all the basketball talk we have. But I mean that. I mean that's that's some big news. So coming up next, Andrew Hutchinson is going to talk to Mark Passwaters from AggieYell.com. It's that rival site for Texas A&M. You know, if you want to know about this A&M offensive line, defensive line, a little bit about Zach Calzada, what he's going to bring to the table, you're going to want to check that out. And then in the last segment of the Hogbeat Hour, we're going to talk about A&M, give our score predictions and what we think is going to happen on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. Hey everybody, I'm Andrew Hutchinson, the managing editor of hogbeat.com, the Arkansas site and the Rivals Network. The Hogs are 3-0 for the first time in five years. They're ranked number 16 in the AP poll, and they have a huge matchup looming with number seven, Texas A&M. With that, it's time to go behind enemy lines once again for an insider's perspective on the upcoming game. Uh, Mark Passwaters covers the Aggies for AggieYell.com, another one of our sister sites at Rivals. Uh, he was kind enough to join us from, from the airport today. Uh, he had a little vacation he went on to this, this past week. So, Mark, uh, appreciate you taking the time. How are you today? I'm doing good, Andrew. Just waiting to get home to Houston. <laughs> well, let, let's jump right into it. Uh, what's kind of the excitement level uh, among the Texas A&M fan base and, and that team right now for, for this top 25 showdown? I would say anxiety is probably a better word than excitement. Um, you know, the, the Aggies figured coming in, well, the fan base figured coming into the season that this would be a game that, uh, you know, they, they'd pretty much dominate. You look at last year, there was a lot of concern about what Barry Odom could do and how Sam Pittman had really changed the mindset of the program. And then AM came out and scored on seven straight possessions, and that, that game was over by the middle of the third quarter. Uh, obviously, beating Texas got people's attention. And uh, the way AM's offensive line is played, uh, you know, there's there's some concern here. You know, people want to see the Aggies perform the way that they should, and they haven't as yet. I'm going to get into that offensive line here in just a second, but I know everyone, the first thing everyone wants to talk about is quarterback play. You know, AM got the bad news with Haynes King going down and going to miss several weeks. Uh, Arkansas will get Zach Calzada instead. Uh, how different is the offense with Calzada compared to King? Uh, it's a little bit different because Calzada is has the, the bigger arm of the two, but he's significantly less mobile. I mean, he can run. We saw that in, in the Colorado game. He made some big plays with his feet, but King is elite in terms of being able to run the football, especially a quarterback. Uh, you know, th- so th- there have been some changes to the scheme. Calzada likes to stay more in the pocket. Uh, King likes to move around. Uh, you know, the, the arm strength is the big thing in, in Calzada's favor. He can really push the ball down the field. Accuracy is, is hit or miss. So I think that if you look at it, regardless of who the starting quarterback's got to be, they've got to run the football. And that was their strength coming into the season, and that's what the strength has to be now. And I was reading a stat, uh, I think it's for pro football focus or something, where Calzada's numbers are drastically different when he's pressured and when he's kept clean. So that kind of leads me into that offensive line talk. Uh, how, how would you assess that offensive line play through three games? Not very good. I think what you have is uh, uh, five very talented individuals who have not become a unit. And that's that's been the big issue. You take a look at last year's group, which was one of the best – if not the best in all of college football, you had five guys that were very experienced. The only one who wasn't overly experienced was Kenny Green. He's an All-American. Uh, but Dan Moore, Jared Hocker, Ryan McCollum, Carson Green, all those guys had played three years or more, you know, as a starter. And it paid off because they knew each other's moves in their sleep. And it, they became, they went from a very average to subpar line in 2019 to one of the best in the country last year because of that match. Now you take a look at this year, Jameer Johnson from Tennessee is the left tackle, and he's been fine. He's a senior. Uh, Kenny Green, the All-Americans, right tackle now, so it's a new position for him, at least in college. And then on the inside, you have Aki Ogunbaye, who is the best guard in the country in the 2020 class, Bryce Foster, a five-star, 
and Layden Robinson, who was a, a four-star three years ago, but is an absolute monster. You know, so individually, this is a better group. As a unit, not so much. And that's proven uh, to be the case so far. And I think that Jimbo has taken it, you know, taken emphasis this week on, okay, you guys got to go out there, toughen up, figure out what you're doing with one another. Uh, because right now what you're doing ain't hacking. Yeah, I guess uh, Lane Robinson has been a little bit banged up. I think they're expected to get him back. We were texting a little bit yesterday. Uh, and you were telling me a little bit of a, an injury update. How, where, where does Texas A&M stand in terms of, of injuries right now? Well, it, it's a good question. Uh, obviously, King is out. He broke his, his leg uh, against Colorado. Hopefully, he'll be back in a couple of weeks. I think that it's more likely he's back from Missouri, which is in three weeks, than Alabama in two, even though that would be very nice. Um, and the big question for this weekend, I think, if you're a Hog fan, is what's going on with Agent Zero, Anias Smith. You know, that, that guy is a uh, jack-of-all-trades. He's one of the most uh, exciting players in college football. He had a concussion last week and missed the second half. Jimbo seems to think he's okay, but, you know, concussions are, are tricky things. So, you know, they haven't really given a diagnosis on him, so he's basically the proverbial game-time decision. As a, after the, Outside of that, I think Robinson will be back. That means they'll get their original five in there after Blake Trainer played last weekend. Well, it's not good. Uh, Devon Chain got hurt late in the game against New Mexico. He's going to be able to go. Uh, so, you know, really the only question is what's up with Smith? And now flipping things over to the other side of the ball, you know, it seems like Texas A&M always has a, a really talented defensive line with a bunch of dudes. Uh, what's that unit looking like so far this year? They are dogs. They are, they are really good. Uh, this is the best I th defensive front I think they've had probably in 20 years. Uh, it starts with DeMarvin Leal, the All-American, who has played both defensive tackle and defensive end this year. Uh, you know, it's, it's strange because the last couple of weeks against Colorado and New Mexico, it seemed like he came out a little bit lackadaisical. Then somebody ran a play at him, had a little bit of success. Then he got really mad and just absolutely dominated from there on out. Uh, so he's the starter and one at one end, Michael Clemens, who I think has been there since the Reagan administration is uh, on, on the other side. He had a great game against New Mexico. Uh, and then in the middle, you have Jaden Peavy, a, a fifth year senior and McKinley Jackson, who I think hog fans will remember from the recruiting sagas of two years ago. Uh, so those guys are in the middle, but they've got a lot of depth. They can bring guys in waves. And this is something they haven't been able to do in a long time. I think that, honestly, it's probably the best defensive front in the SEC and maybe the country. So that kind of leads me to my next question. You know, putting the headset on, if you're an offensive coordinator, how would you scheme up to try to beat this Aggies defense? And, and who are the other guys maybe outside of that front front group uh, that you have to account for? There's a lot of motion and misdirection, honestly, because that seems to have been what has helped opponents so far. Really, it, it hadn't been – necessarily misdirection but running for your life uh Kent State's quarterback uh had some pretty good yards rushing on the ground but it was because he had been flushed and had to move uh Brendan Lewis for uh Colorado had a couple of really nice uh quarterback runs I think that leads well towards what KJ Jefferson wants to do but of course last week Terry Wilson the former Kentucky quarterback played against A&M kind of a similar guy not nearly as big but you know, similar traits in terms of trying to run the ball and got nowhere. So maybe they're getting a little smarter with it. But the linebackers are a big question, not because of their talent, but because of maybe being overly aggressive. Uh, Aaron Hansford, Andre White, Edrin Cooper are the big three there. Um, and they have had trouble. How do I put this? Basically running themselves out of place. They got a little too aggressive and, you know, left their gap assignments and, it's caused problems for them. Uh, you know, I say it caused problems. The biggest play they gave up last week was 16 yards. They haven't given up anything over, I think, 19 and seven quarters. So they've kind of clamped down. But that's that's the big thing is they've, they've got to stay home. They have to play assignment football. They run themselves out of position. Then the Hogs have the ability to run the ball, you know, up the middle. And we'll wrap things up with this. Uh, you don't have to give a score prediction necessarily, but, but how do you see this weekend's game playing out? And what would you maybe say is, is the biggest key for this game? 
Uh, I think it all hinges on A&M's offensive lines. If they play better, then A&M has the talent advantage and they should win the ballgame. But if they don't improve and Barry Odom schemes the way he schemes, then it becomes a very interesting ballgame. A&M wants to go out there, run the ball with Isaiah Spiller, run the ball with Devon A. Chain, make things easier on Calzada. But if the game is put on Calzada's shoulders because they can't run because that line isn't effective, then all of a sudden you're in trouble. Well, I think that that's it for me. And I appreciate the insight, Mark. I'm really looking forward to to what should be a a really good game. And as a reminder to everyone, uh, kickoff is scheduled for 2.30 Central, and it'll be televised on CBS. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you can see all of these uh, Know the Foe segments, as well as press conferences, practice clips, recruit highlights, things like that. And as always, head over to hogbeat.com for your one-stop shop for all things hogs. You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. All right, back here on the Hog Beat Hour, I'm your host, Mason Choate, along with Andrew Hutchinson and Alex Trader from HogBeat.com. Now, before we get started talking Texas A&M, I do want to give Andrew another opportunity to tell the listeners about this deal we got going on over at HogBeat.com. Yeah, college students, if you're listening, uh, if you like what you're hearing now uh, and want to get all sorts of great Arkansas content at hogbeat.com, we've got a deal for you. Uh, We will give you your first year of uh, Hogbeat subscription for just $11.95. That's usually about $100. All you have to do is send me an email at andrewhutchinson413 at gmail.com, and I will hook you up with that deal uh you get a incredible incredible coverage we've got alex covering recruiting uh mason helping me out with the football season and of course all of the content that i bring every week uh it's it's a heck of a day de- it's a heck of a deal uh alex he's he's crushed numbers it's 31 cents a day so uh i think i think y'all can afford that even even broke college kids can afford that hold on hold on that math doesn't work because if it's 11.95 for an entire year 31 cents a day. That doesn't add up. That must be for a week or maybe a month. I don't either know. Way, either way, that's that's a lot. Uh, that's a big deal. Hold on, Alex. You got the numbers now? It's 33. Um, so I, I, I had 11.25, I think, the first time. But it is. It's very, very cheap for some very good coverage from, from the three of us as well. as We have great basketball stuff over at Hogbeat, too. Definitely worth checking out. Yeah, save that money that you're going to go spend at Canes or Whataburger and uh, get yourself a hogbeat.com subscription. You will definitely enjoy it more than uh, what's the what's the four count meal at Canes called? The box combo. Box combo. You yeah. work there. Yeah, we're giving out free ads now. Okay, let's talk about Texas A&M, guys. Uh, biggest game since when? I mean, we kind of talked about it before we started recording, but Hutch, I mean, you said biggest game since before – Biggest game since the Bobby Petrino era. What game in the Bobby Petrino era do you think that was the biggest game since then? I mean, I think you could really start with the last game Bobby Petrino coached. That Cotton Bowl uh, to cap the 2011 season was was pretty big. I think it was a top 10 showdown with a, a really good Kansas State team. Uh, so I, I think it's the biggest game since then. They have had some top 25 games uh, since then in 2016 season. Uh, there were a few, I think, in 2015 as well. Uh, but this one just it feels more significant uh, just because it is early in the season. Uh, you're, you're trying to start one and0 at SEC play. Uh, you could really assert yourself as a, a true uh, I, I don't know if I would say contender in the SEC West as long as, as Alabama is, is playing football. Uh, but you could be a, a contender for maybe you know if you win this game, you at least position yourself to where you could be in, in one of those maybe New Year's six bowls or, you know, another high-profile bowl game that, that you really haven't made a conversation for since that Bobby Petrino era. I'm curious, uh, and I know we're, we're going to get into talking about A&M and do a little deep dive, but I'm curious, Hutch, if Arkansas wins this game, where do they come out in the AP poll next week? Are we looking at a top-10 team? I think so. Uh, I, I really do. I mean, it, it probably also depends on what other teams do ahead of them. I'm not sure what all is ahead of it, but I mean – you know, I think Notre Dame plays Wisconsin. 
Uh, that's a game Notre Dame could easily lose. Uh, Wisconsin already has a loss, so I don't think Wisconsin would jump you. Uh, and, you know, Florida's already lost. They kind of held pat, you know, after losing to Alabama really tight. Uh, perhaps you could jump them. Uh, I, I, you, you jump Texas A&M as well. Uh, so I, I think they would, they would find themselves, in my opinion, they would be a top-10 team. Uh, headed down to Athens, and that would just be a, a massive, massive game for Arkansas. It's, it's been a long time since I, I believe that Cotton Bowl to end the 2011 season that, that they've played a, a top 25 matchup or a top 10 matchup. Yeah, massive, massive game at 11 a.m. That's that's awesome. So, hey, got Alex, to with that big dude. That's that's true. Alex, I want to ask you this question because I know you have strong opinions about it. Um, Arkansas, Arkansas and AM. Neutral site game in Cowboys Stadium, Wisconsin Notre Dame neutral site game at Soldier Field. I mean, if if this Arkansas game is in Fayetteville, it's probably an atmosphere just like Texas, probably bigger. Um, what I know you don't like these neutral site games. Tell us, tell us your feelings about it, Alex. Yeah, and I don't hate the concept of a neutral site game. I think you know what Alabama and Miami did at the start of the year, despite that being a, a not a great product on the field. Um, I think those type of games are interesting and, and it also gives the players kind of a reward system for being in those top level programs. What I do have a problem with is this is supposed to be a every year neutral site game. Last year it was played at Kyle field. It was played in college station there should be a pause in that contract to give Arkansas one home game just to even it out. The same thing happened with Army and Navy last year. Um, I, I just think that's kind of not fair. Uh, and you're seeing it even with home conference games. I mean, Ohio State has to travel back to Ann Arbor this year, uh, even though last year they didn't get their matchup. So I, I think there should be kind of that if you're doing a, a neutral site and then it switches to a home game, whatever the circumstance you should get that home and home aspect of it to, to help both teams fan bases be able to get involved. All right. Time, time to actually dive into this A&M team. Uh, Hutch, you started it this way with Mark Passwaters and we're going to start it this way here. The quarterback position for A&M Haynes King, the injury against Colorado, he goes down broken leg. So then Zach Calzada comes in, actually leads them down on the game winning drive, throws the game or go ahead touchdown um he looked okay against new mexico i mean it was new mexico um but this and i heard you say this on the radio yesterday and i thought it was really interesting arkansas has the better quarterback in this matchup and that's so weird to think about kj jefferson a four star and then zach calzada a three star when you're playing texas a&m i don't know that's just weird to me hutch you know what what do you think about calzada so far you've you've mentioned some of his stats here and there but um, it, I mean, what do you think? You know, I feel a lot better facing Zach Calzada than I do a Haynes King. I mean, cause Haynes King brings that athleticism and, you know, he can, he can run on you. Uh, you know, we, we heard Mark Passwater's talking about that. I mean, Calzada does have an arm. Uh, he does have a cannon, but he's kind of one more one dimensional. Uh, and plus you put him behind that, that offensive line. That's kind of struggled a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe Arkansas could get to him, especially with this big, uh, his second career start at A&M. So uh, it, it's going to be a, uh, a, an interesting matchup for Arkansas. Uh, and and I, I like, I think it favors the Hogs. Of course, you know, that, that, that old Arkansas thing, you know, kind of like, oh man, we've seen this before, backup quarterback looking like a Heisman contender, especially in this series. So uh, I don't, I don't, think that'll happen you know this is a new coaching staff I don't think Mariota will allow that to happen uh but you do kind of have that little that little voice in the back of your head that goes well it is Arkansas you know this this happens so uh I'm, I'm anxious to see how it plays out I I can definitely relate to that feeling and I I felt that feeling going into the Texas game when Hudson Card was coming to town I felt like you know Hudson Card is gonna have the game of his life he's gonna you know, just completely dominate Arkansas. But you're right. Barry Odom has done what he's supposed to do. He did what he was supposed to do against Hudson Card. And that puts a little bit of confidence inside of me that I don't know if I want that confidence inside of me because I'm just ready to be hurt again, like always. And so I, I, think, I think you're right, though. I think Arkansas has the edge in this matchup. Now, the really interesting thing is, and uh, you've mentioned this stat a lot this week, is that Calzada under pressure is not a very good quarterback. 
when he has a clean pocket, he is. Um, do you think Arkansas will be able to generate enough pressure to just keep him uncomfortable the entire game? I think so. I mean, through three weeks, I feel like maybe the strength of Arkansas's defense, as crazy as this sounds, is that front – I mean, I want to say front seven, but it's more like a front four plus two linebackers, so front six or even a front five if they go with a, a three-man front with the two linebackers. Um, they have they have done a good job of getting after the quarterback. Yeah, Trey Williams probably needs to kind of uh, reel things in a little bit with uh, three late-hit personal fouls in, in the last two games. Uh, but I think that, that they, they, could, they could get after – the quarterback this year that's even you know against uh, you know a, a, a struggling offensive line that should that should make it even more profound this week so uh, I think they're going to really pressure him I think they're going to uh, make him uncomfortable and as you said pro football focus that that the differential between uh, when he's when he's got a clean pocket versus when he's pressured it's it's dramatic I mean every, most quarterbacks are going to struggle whenever they're pressured uh, compared to whenever they're kept clean but not as dramatic of a difference as what we've seen so far with Calzada. And, it, you know, this A&M defense is a defense that they're the number one scoring defense in the country. Um, now, they haven't played, like, amazing offenses. They, they, they've they only allowed two touchdowns on the year. Um, they haven't allowed a touchdown in seven quarters of play. Uh, I, I just – I'm just curious, like, what do you think about this defense? Because they haven't played that great of competition. Now, Arkansas hasn't either outside of a Texas team that, you know, the jury's still out on Texas. We don't know if they're actually going to be, you know, a top 25 team. But is this A&M defense that good? Because we know they have talent. Or is it just the fact that they haven't played amazing teams yet? You know, it's it's hard to say. I mean, Kent State and New Mexico are nothing to really get excited about, just like, as you said, Rice and Georgia Southern aren't exactly, you know, powerhouses. So I think they're, I think they're really good. I mean, they always have a really good defensive line. I mean, we've seen some really good players come through there. And uh, it, it sounds, based on what Mark Passwater said uh, in my interview, that he thinks it's as, as good and as deep as a defensive line as they've had in 20 years. And so that, that's kind of a scary thought. You know, and Sam Pittman, uh, he was telling the media uh, the other day that, that not only you know they could stop the run, but they could also get after the passer. Sometimes you don't see a defensive line that could do both of those things, and they do both of them well. So uh, I think it's I think it's a really good defense. Uh, I'm anxious to see what they are you know behind that defensive line. It looks like they've got some really good players in the back end, uh, you know, at safety and, and things like that. But that defensive line that that Demarvin uh, Leal or Leal, however you say his name, that guy is a, a beast. And you're going to have to definitely account for him uh, because that guy can can really get after you. Now I just I'm going to switch back over to the offense here. I want to talk about the AM running backs because they're really freaking good. Isaiah Spiller is a really good running back. He I know he uses the same offseason trainer as Traylon Smith does. So that's that's a little interesting thing, fun fact. And then is it I heard I heard Passwaters say Devon A Chain. Is that how you pronounce it? I would trust him. That's for sure. I have no idea, honestly. Okay. That that's how he said it. So Spiller and a chain are the running backs there and they're both really good, but it's interesting. Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas is bringing four running backs who are really good. So Alex, I just want to ask you about these running backs from a and um, You know, we know Spiller is really good. A chain's a really good pass catcher. And then he's also really quick. There was a subscriber on Hogbeat that actually said, he was like a state champion in the four by 100, I think. Um, so what do you think about those A&M running backs, Alex? Yeah, it's, it's a great duo. Both guys are able to come in out of the backfield and give you a, another option uh, in the passing game. But as well as that, you know, Isaiah Spiller's coming out and averaging 6.3 yards per carry so far this year. He, he's going to be able to go out there and, and make a bunch of plays. You know, granted, Kent State, I think they have a pretty good offense with Dustin Crum, but the defense is is – not something you're going to be looking at as a staple staple win um and, and then same with uh new mexico except their offense really isn't that great um I, I think the colorado game is probably the best indicator that you're going to be able to have about what these guys can do and in that game they scored 
10 points. And, and it came off of a late Zach Calzada scramble into the end zone. So um, I, I think they could get it going. I would, if I'm Barry Odom, I say, hey, run that Texas game plan back. You've got a similar situation at quarterback where there was a quarterback battle leading up into the season. You don't really know which guy was going to start. Something happened. Um, and, and we saw both guys play in that Texas game. We won't be seeing that here, but um, you've got that newer guy in the situation. With As the running backs go, Spiller is widely considered a top five, top 10 back in the country. Bijan Robinson is arguably better than Spiller. Um, and they were able to keep him completely in check. He was a non-factor in that, in that Texas game. I, I think, you know, with the pressure that they brought, they were able to get to Hudson card and, and cause him issues. Um, not only in the pocket, but he wasn't able to get out and, and use his speed to his advantage. I think, like we mentioned, Haynes King, a better runner than Zach Calzada. Uh, if you're able to keep him in check and continue to bring pressure, I think it's going to make the running game have to carry the load. And with how Arkansas has been playing, I don't know that they're going to be able to do that with, with Spiller and a, a chain. Yeah, Spiller last season against Arkansas, I, I want to say it was 3.8 or 3.9 uh, yards per carry. So the Arkansas defense did a decent job of containing him. He only had 82 yards, but he had a score as well. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see if they can, you know, contain him even more uh, or, or just, you know, at least not let the running backs just dominate you. But I want to talk about the pass catchers. I'm going to ask Hutch about this. Jalen Weidermeyer, I think that's how you pronounce it. Is it Weidermeyer or Weidermeyer? I think Weidermeyer. That's how I say it, at least. <laughs> we we write the name. We don't pronounce it. So Weidermeyer. And then uh, we know Weidermeyer is going to play. We know he's a great tight end. Sam Pittman talked about him, how they're going to focus in on him because um, he just – he he dominated Arkansas last year. Um, and then Ianus Smith. I think that's how you pronounce that one. Uh, I mean, people, people talk about this dude like he's – one of the best athletes in the entire country, he may or may not play. You have to think if that guy is anywhere close to possibly being able to play, Jimbo Fisher has to play him. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting because he does have a, a concussion, I guess. He suffered that during the game last week. So it'll only be a week removed from that. Uh, I don't know how severe of a concussion it is or anything like that, but um, you, you, I'm always a little bit hesitant when it comes to concussions because you're talking about the brain. So I don't know if he'll be ready or not, uh, but that would be a massive blow because he's their, their top receiver uh, and, and very, very good. But as you mentioned, they've got uh, Jalen Weidermeyer. Uh, he is a really good tight end. I, was, I, I remember last year being thoroughly impressed uh, by what he did. Uh, so you're, you're going to have to figure out a way to, to slow him down. And if, if they don't have Anaya Smith and if you can slow down Jalen Weidermeyer, uh, I'm not sure what else they could do. Uh, for, for Zach Calzada, you, you have to really, really rely on that run game like we were talking about. And speaking of that run game, let's just go ahead and talk about that offensive line. Um, Mark Passwater has talked about it quite a bit with you, Hutch. So um, what did you learn about the A&M offensive line from him? And, you know, you mentioned earlier that you think Arkansas can generate pressure against him, but in the run game, how do you, how do you think the Hogs will fare against this offensive line that hasn't been super impressive this season? Yeah, I mean, I thought a really telling moment this week came on, on Tuesday after practice. Uh, we were talking to a few of the players on Zoom, and uh, a reporter asked uh, Torian Carter, Arkansas's one of Arkansas's defensive tackles, like, hey, what, what are your impressions of the, the Texas A&M offensive line, you know, based on what you've seen in film? And Torian kind of, he smiled and kind of laughed, and he's like, oh, man, I almost said something. And uh, it, it almost sounded like he was getting ready to say like, oh yeah, these guys aren't very good. You know, give them some bulletin board material or, you know, maybe reveal the game plan or something like that. Uh, it was, it was kind of like, okay, they, they're, they, they're feeling confident in what they could do. So I really think they're going to really exploit uh, that offensive line. I mean, I'm, I'm really impressed with Kenyon Green, uh, the, the right tackle for Texas A&M. He was an All-American last year as a, a sophomore, I believe. So He's obviously really, really good. And I think these other players are, are really good pieces, as Mark, Mark Passwaters was saying, uh, but they aren't really playing well as a unit right now. And I think Arkansas, you know, with this being just the fourth week of the season, uh, can still exploit that and, and use that to their advantage. Now this let's, let's switch over to defense and round it out with the A&M secondary. Um, 
they got a guy at safety, Leon O'Neal Jr. I wrote about him in my Players to Watch article. He's kind of their version of Jalen Catalan in the backfield there. Um, he does a really, really good job of surveying the field. He's their highest-graded defensive player, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, but aside from O'Neal, Hutch, have you learned anything else about the A&M secondary? Do you think that this Arkansas receiver group and K.J. Jefferson are going to be able to, you know, expose them a little bit? Yeah, I mean, they've got, they've got some really good pieces. I mean, Damani Richardson's another safety uh, that, that's back there that's had success. And uh, their nickel, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, has, has graded out well this year. Uh, so they, they have some pieces. Now, can they stop Traylon Burks? I'm not 100% sure. Part of me thinks this might be the Traylon Burks coming out show. I think that the 91-yard touchdown may have been just kind of what he needed to, to get back into a groove. Uh, and it, it could be a, a really big game for him. That, that's kind of what I'm personally expecting. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap this up about just how we think it's going to go. Um, I think there's a lot of Arkansas fans that are optimistic, but also we talked about it, getting your hopes up. I don't know if you want to get your hopes up or not. So, Alex, we'll start with you. Just what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, you know, I wavered on the Texas game. I came into the season thinking it wasn't winnable. Um, ended up changing my mind, changing it back, and then eventually going back with the Hogs for that one. Um, this is actually a game where I came into the season and I marked it off as my, okay, this is a loss for sure. Things have changed. Arkansas's looked a lot better. AM's looked a lot worse. I've seen the spread anywhere from, you know, five and a half to I just saw four and a half over on the Barstool Sportsbook. It looks like the the trend is going towards Arkansas. And I think Arkansas is going to win this game. And I think they do it pretty convincingly. I have them 27-16. I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game, but I do think that that Arkansas will be able to kind of keep it close and then eventually run away with just how dominant that rushing attack has been. I'm going to give mine because uh, I feel like I've gone last in every episode. So I'm going to give mine and let Mr. Hutchinson go last. So I think that I think I agree with you, Alex. Um, entering this week alone, I thought that Arkansas was going to lose this game. The more I've looked at AM, the more I've listened to the AM people talk and say that they're not confident. Um, I think Arkansas is going to win this one. I have them winning 31 to 20. Uh, so kind of like what you have, Hutt, or Alex, um, something around that area. And uh, I think Arkansas will win convincingly. I think that they are the better team in this matchup. So, Andrew Hutchinson, round it off for us. Yeah, it kind of scares me because I'm feeling kind of like y'all. Uh, I, that I don't know how I feel about that, but uh, I think Arkansas can can run away with this game. Well, I say run away. I think they're going to win it, not handedly, but I think they win by multiple scores. Uh, I'm kind of leaning towards 24 to 10. I think the defense is really going to get after that Texas A&M offense. I think Calzada is going to struggle, and I think Arkansas is going to do just enough to contain that run game, and they're going to do just enough to find ways to score. Uh, maybe we see a defensive score this game uh, by Arkansas. Uh, maybe. I'm kind of thinking that. Uh, but I think Arkansas wins this game by two touchdowns. Uh, that scares the heck out of me that I'm saying that, but uh, maybe that's a little bit overconfidence. But I, I think the streak ends uh, this year. Hey, I mentioned it earlier. I'm ready to be hurt. I think we're all ready to be hurt, guys. And all the fans out there listening, I think you're ready to be hurt too. But let's let's just hope that we don't get hurt this weekend. Um, so that's all the time we got for you today on the Hogbeat Hour. We appreciate you listening. Don't forget to go check out all the content at hogbeat.com. And if you're a student, sign up for that deal. You will not be disappointed. Thank you for listening to the Hogbeat Hour.